Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Sunday, the 1st of December. I'm Keith Feltner-Smith, and I am minus one Ty Delbers today, but I have a guest here with me whose name has almost the same rhythm, Tara Bowen Biggs, for a Ty Delbers. We'll take it. You know, it, I think it's a, a fair start. Uh, first things first, let me get every, all the... All the uh, paperwork out of the way here. You can reach us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find, uh, email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. Always, you can find our pod on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast. And we are always looking for what, Ty or Tara? What are we looking for? Do you know? Five stars. Yay. Oh, five stars. Absolutely. Five Sorry. stars. Five stars. <laughs> and uh, and this, these beautiful beats you can find from Odar... <laughs> Odar at soundcloud.com slash odarbeats. Please support your local artists and all of our friendly Blazer pods as uh, they are so happy and welcome to come on our show as always. So, shout out to our sponsors, Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking. Today's guest, she hosts the Blazer's Edge pod with friend of the show, Danny Meringue. She also hosts the Blazer's What pod with Cassidy Gemmett, or is it Gemmett? I apologize to Cassidy. Gemmet. Is it Gemmett? Okay, yep. Gemmett, there we go. Uh, Blazer's What pod with Cassidy Gemmett. Speaking of, their next What meetup is this Tuesday Day, December 3rd against the Clippers so please everyone get out there and uh, and join Tara and the crew uh, the what crew for that ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the show team mom herself Tara Bowen Biggs how are you I'm great Keith and I think that we should tell the listeners that it's not because you and I don't have great chemistry because we could talk about the Blazers all night long <laughs> but the internet keeps going like a little wacky right. on us and so we keep cutting in and out and so if it sounds really awkward it's not because you and I don't know how to talk about the Blazers together because I think we've proved that you and I can do that <laughs> quite well. I, I, I think that is assured. No 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 doubts at all there. And I'm gonna do my best, my uh, my amateur level best to clean up as much of the, as the uh, clean up as much of the the Skype interference as possible. But yeah, it's one of those days. This beautiful uh, cloudy gray December sky that is absolutely freezing outside. Maybe it's the uh, snow. You know, maybe that's, is uh, maybe I'm blaming the weather, I guess, for interfering with our internet signal. Does that work? <laughs> yeah, it's all that early season snow we've been getting. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Um, it, you know, it hasn't gotten, the weather hasn't gotten too harsh yet, but it has got uh, kind of turned towards those days where I just want to bundle up so much on the couch, man. Like, if I don't have stuff to do, I'm here with, like, even right now, uh, I'm not sure if you can see on the screen, but I have a giant mug of tea. Uh, so I'm ready for Trailcasters Tea Time with Tara. <laughs> it's almost like it's hoodie season. Yes, <laughs> exactly. What a segue. What a professional uh, segue from that. Um, from, a, from a real Blazers at pro- uh, professional <laughs> over there. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so let's get straight into our hoodie season in a second. First things first, just like Tara, you guys have your icebreaker icebreakers on your lovely Blazers Edge pod. I wanted to kind of jump in here with just kind of some season's greetings, I guess, uh, out to our former Blazer, uh, Blazer Ford and... The, the principal, I guess, of your uh, Al Farouk Aminu Appreciation Society. Best wishes for Chief. I heard this morning, at, just before we get in the show going, that he has had uh, a meniscus injury. And unfortunately, it sounds like just the same way that the Blazer big men up here have not been able to escape the injury bug this season. It seems like he just couldn't quite get out in time for it. But hopefully everything goes well with him. Have you heard any details on this? or is it? Uh, do, you, do you know a timeline at all? No, I haven't heard any more than what has been reported um, by Woj. It was just a real bummer to wake up and find out that he's going to be down for a while, out indefinitely. You know, meniscus, it's going to either whether or not they're going to have to get in there and clean it up or whether or not he can just rehab it. We're going to just have to wait and see. But uh, obviously, as 
the uh, chairperson of the Immunity Appreciation Society. I am uh, thinking the very best for him and hoping he has a full recovery. Chairperson. There we go. That's the title I was looking for. I like it. I just made uh, that up. <laughs> it works. We'll roll with it. Best wishes for Aminu. Uh, and also, happy birthday to Coach Stotts. He had his birthday on the 25th, right before uh, this this lovely turkey day that we all just had. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, it's a nice festive season. And speaking of, how was your holiday? How did you, uh, how did you celebrate this Thursday? Oh, the holiday was great. I have a lot of family nearby, so we had tons and tons of people. We had some uh, people join the family who are first-time partners being thrown into the family mixed who were brave enough to uh, jump right in with both feet and try to get to know the whole family, even (laughs) though they were probably already nervous in the first place. Uh, But one of the nice things that I always do is... uh, you know, well, I don't know if it's nice or not. Maybe it's not nice, but I always gauge, of course, their interest <laughs> in the trailblazers. And uh, it's almost always um, a really good thing. It's always, uh, you know, something common that we can talk about. You can tell, like, how into the trailblazers they are pretty quickly. And so I either go into, you know, uh, conversion and, uh, you know, bring them on board mode or, you know, just comparing notes on how we've been lacking the season so far. So I look for any opportunity to talk about the Blazers and family family gatherings included. <laughs> but you're right, though. The holidays, as far as it, the, the family gathering time, uh, we actually had, if I can just say as well, we, we had uh, didn't have all of our in-town family. Like you were saying, we have a lot of relatives around the area, and we always try and have as big of a gathering as possible. But we did represent four generations of, of Smiths and Feltner Smiths and, and all that. So it was, it was a nice gathering, man. It was, it was a good one uh, to have around the table. And like you said as well, it's a great time, this kind of festive season of all the family gathering, to compare notes of our favorite team. So let's talk about this week's games. Uh, we only had three this week. It seems so much lighter than we've had recently. The schedule has been so just, bam, every other day. Uh, I feel like we've had four four games a week just since the season has started pretty much. But not only did we only have three this week, but it was three good games, Tara. We finally had no losses to talk about. No mixed messages here. We have three solid victories, and I am down for it, man. I'm down to have, a, especially with you here today, you and I, We I feel like we are certainly on the optimistic end of the spectrum uh, of Blazer fans uh, and how we kind of uh, present ourselves. So, hey, what a perfect time to have you and I together on the pod is to have three victories to talk about, right? Yes. You know, four <laughs> losses followed by three wins. I'll take it. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. So first one up, uh, finishing off that nasty road trip in Chicago, 117 to 94 over the Bulls. Uh, this was the first that we saw of Portland's. It was their 10th starting lineup this season. But this, uh, this is the first time that we saw Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Carmelo Anthony, and Whiteside all start together. Uh, looked pretty good, I'd say, from the start. I think Portland had one of their better shooting nights of the season so far. Uh, we finally kind of turned around those rebounding woes, which we'll talk about more as, as we go through here, I'm sure. Uh, the one downside that I saw that really stuck out anyway, Gary Trent uh, was added to the injury list. And we've had enough injuries so far this season that I don't really need to see any more names on there. But a healthy starting lineup looked so good. Would you agree? Absolutely. You know, uh, as we were coming into this week, coming off of those four losses, trying really hard to find silver linings, one of the things that I kept holding on to is how it really has been fun watching these younger guys get all this playing time, getting some of them even in the starting lineup to see how well they do playing alongside some of uh, the better players. But I got to say, once we saw... 
starters actually being starters, it was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it was such a re- <laughs> it was such a relief. I didn't realize how much I had missed having, you know, a, a regular starting five until I saw it again. And I was like, oh, God, that looks really great to have five guys who clearly know what their role is, uh, you know, out there starting. When I think uh, so much of the issues we've seen so far this uh, this season, I was talking last episode with Oliver Maroney. Shout out to him about so much of the so many of the issues are they can be linked back to the injury bug. the The problem of not having the big guys have led to the it has led to the issue of rebounding, which has led to the foul and free throw discrepancy. Uh, in the same way with this, I feel like not having a solid starting lineup has led to a lot of. A lot of, I think, maybe kind of the the blown up expectations or the uh, the the what was the word I'm looking for here? Uh, just the disappointment from fans as far as players like Bazemore, players like Mario Hazonia, um, a lot of these guys who have been thrust into roles that were bigger than they expected to have, and I think bigger than the team expected to put them in, at least at the start. Uh, they were having to step up and maybe not really ready for that, and I think it kind of exposed a lot of these players. Uh, that is obviously the, the negative side of it, but the upside has been some of the young uh, young players we've had, like Simons, like Nasir Little. I have loved what I'm seeing from Nasir, but technically this dude shouldn't have even really been seen much at all this year, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. if things have gone well. Yeah, I think when you were trying to figure out which word you were searching for, the word that came to my mind <laughs> was confusion. Um, yeah, that works. Because the, you know, from night to night without knowing who is going to be healthy, with having people be probable or unlikely or like whatever the uh, word is that they put on the report, not knowing who it's going to be, uh, getting used to maybe one lineup, then switching to another lineup. It's, you know, it's just hard to get into a rhythm when that keeps happening. You know, especially when so many people are just flat up, flat out new to the team. Like last year, if they had to make adjustments to the lineup, not that big of a deal because they're used to playing together. But a this season, they're not even used to playing together. And then they're, you know, they haven't had time to get into any rhythm. So it's not like this particular group of starters has had much of a chance to get into a rhythm together. But the fact that they're all, for the most part, career starters and they're used to that role and they know what they're supposed to do when they get out there together, I think that has been uh, really nice. And they know that, like, okay, this is my role. Like, so Tolliver doesn't know from night to night whether or not he's trying to earn a spot in the starting rotation. Is he just holding a spot in the starting rotation? Same with Little. Same with even Gary Trent Jr. You know, like, do I get to keep doing this or is this just, like, a one-time thing? Now we're seeing what I think is going to be the regular rotation and they can finally start getting used to each other. So actually, let's tangent off on that for a sec. I like what you're saying uh, as far as the starting unit, knowing who the starting unit is. But do you think this is also going to kind of trickle down to the to the bench unit, to the Bazemore and to uh, Hazonia and the rest? Now that they know where they fit in the system, they can maybe kind of ease off the gas, having to overperform as much or having to feel like they have to step up. And yeah, do you think this will, will, will the bench, uh, I guess, look more solid the same way that we're seeing from the starting lineup these first couple games? Yeah, I would I would think so. Just give them a chance to relax into their role rather than, like you said, you know, trying to do everything so that they can show I can do all these things, you know, put me in, put me in. It's like, okay, now we know more about what everything looks like. I can just concentrate on the things that I know I am intended to do. And how about uh, speaking of knowing uh, what you're supposed to be doing out there? 
the difference we've seen from Hassan, and I'm using this to segue into the second game because this is when I really noticed it uh, against Oklahoma City. When Oklahoma City came here to town, the 136-119 victory that we had, Hassan, to me, looked so much better working with Dame. I don't know if it was just finally having, like we said, one game under their belt of this starting uh, lineup together and knowing like, kind of you know where people are going to be, who we can kind of rely on to, uh, to be running the plays. But, man, all the criticism that we've heard about Whiteside and not being good in the pick and roll, not being able to kind of move his feet, it started to turn around, I feel like, in that game against Oklahoma City. Uh, did you see this as well? Am I, am I crazy? Am I giving him too much credit? Am I maybe looking at this a little too, like, with too much Rose, uh, Rose City tint on here? Or You know, I don't know. He's so puzzling to me. My reaction right? to him, how to watch him, it's just, it's... It's really hard, and I don't know if you want to talk about it now or if we want to talk about it more later, because that's kind of the thing that I've been wrestling the most with is just how to how to watch him, because how to watch the sun. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, because like you said, or like you, you know, we're talking about is people have so many strong opinions about right. Whiteside, and you know, I don't think that's fair. But on the other hand, we're all watching a game, and we all see moments where we're like that wasn't what I expected you as a professional starting center to do, but you did something else. And we all kind of go, Hmm, I wonder why that happens. And some people think it's effort. Some people think that he just doesn't understand how to play basketball. Some people think that he's checked out. (laughs) Right. I mean, and it's all these things that are like not nice things to say about people. So I try to really watch it, you know, uh, from a point of compassion, like what is going on that he's not putting his hands up when like, that's what you learn how to do is put your hands up. So, okay. So I I can see you've got some ammunition here. Let's, let's come, let's loop back to that one. That's a, uh, Oh boy, man, I have to, I have to, I have to be prepared for our Hassan conversation now. Um, (laughs) It's not going to be that deep. It's just really like, how how do I watch him and how do I step back and give him a chance to prove himself and show what he can do without getting caught up in seeing some things where you're like, wow, that is not what I expected somebody who's been playing in this league for this long to be doing. Well, maybe that's maybe that's what we what we can take from these first couple games. Then at least is that I feel like what I am seeing is that Hassan is starting to look solid he's starting to look more comfortable in knowing his role and i just i don't know i feel like the pick and roll at least from that okc game i feel like i was seeing some examples of uh of him looking like he's a little more comfortable with dame and maybe a little bit more of a potent weapon that way we'll see how it goes but hoodie also hoodie has turned things around from kind of the start of the season where his back was giving him trouble uh the okc game and then the chicago game as well he just seems like he's pretty much on fire uh i know you guys were talking uh, on the, the last place's edge pod about is Carmelo maybe taking away too many of Hoodie's shots? Is that right? Is that kind of the perspective I remember you discussing? Yeah, I just wondered how much uh, people are worried about the fact that Hassan or that uh, sorry Carmelo is you know he's averaging I think sixteen shots per game and uh, okay. you know Hoodie is you know Rodney Hood is. Uh, averaging quite a bit fewer than that. I don't have it up in front of me. Uh, but with Hood shooting so well, should he be getting the ball more? And I don't know what the answer to that question is because I think things have, at least for over the last few games, really started to click with Carmelo. And if giving him that many shots is making the other defenses, you know, scratch their heads, miss the rotations, or overplay him, you know, maybe it's working out just fine. And, you know, maybe getting eight shots or or ten shots a game is just fine for Rodney Hood. 
Well, and so I uh, was checking on it right now. It looks like Hoodie this year is at 8.7 okay. field goal attempts a game. Uh, yeah, that's not a lot. And he is shooting 53% on the season so far, mm-hmm. uh, and even better than that in those last couple games. So I, I, I got to agree with you. I do feel like Hoodie, he, need, he needs to get some more shots from somewhere. Uh, the problem is Melo does seem to have a certain role that maybe was promised to him in some form or another. And I don't even know if it's necessarily that. I don't want to put this all on O'Shea and Stotts as far as, you know, we talked before uh, on previous episodes about was Melo kind of promised a starting role? Uh, is that why we were seeing him in here at power forward, even when we've seen Nasir Little need minutes and, you know, kind of playing that power forward position as well? Uh, but Melo, he's got the firepower and he does kind of, he has the reputation, he has the pedigree. So it's, it's hard to say that he doesn't deserve shots himself. But yeah, if he's getting 16 and, and Hood is at nearly, at barely half that, that does seem like it could use some balancing out. Well, but here's the thing, and maybe this is either super basic or fairly radical. I don't know which, but maybe <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh. I mean. Super, I'm going to go super radical. So what I was watching <laughs> highlights, I was watching, you know, all of Rodney Hood's shots. I was watching his corner threes. I was watching all the Blazers corner threes. And I was like, Rodney Hood is kicking it out to Mello as often as Mello is kicking it out to Rodney Hood. I mean, at least at this Uh point, it's a small sample size. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I've certainly noticed over the last handful of games, more ball ball movement from the Blazers. And in in fact, their passing has um, increased a lot over even just over the last week. And uh, I'm kind of starting to think it doesn't matter how many, it's whether or not they're getting the best. Yes, that's a great point, actually. And uh, yeah, we have seen the assist numbers go up a little bit. And on that point, too, I think last year, I don't remember where we, I don't remember exactly where we ranked in assist totals, but we were in assists, in assists. No, no. They were no, almost bad, always it? 24 or less because I I like oh, gosh. habitually, <laughs> wa- like every week I'd be like, well, it seems like they passed the ball more. And I go like, no, 24. Seems like they passed well, the ball was, more this week. No, 24. <laughs> well, it was 24 assists a game, but that was, where was that in the NBA? No, that, that was like, that was, that was down there. So yeah, so the Blazers finished 25th in the league last season with 23 assists. 25th in the league with 23 assists yeah. a game. And right now, it looks like we are dead last, 30th in the league at 19.9 assists per game. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, the, I think the, the the point that I was trying to get to with that is how close 19.9 is, dead last, to 23 last year being five spots up. I'm not saying that we should settle for, for 25th in the league either, but... If we can, if this ball movement that we think we are seeing right now, uh, if what our eye test is telling us is that it is moving a little better, and I think the numbers are backing up somewhat, that we're seeing more ball movement, more assists from them, that could jump fairly quick. So I, I guess I'm just, I'm not sold that the Blazers have to be in the NBA bottom uh, rung of assists, but I don't know. Am I, am I crazy to hope for a little more than that? Or, or do you think, uh, is this something that now that we have players who can make shots, we're going to see more assists and we can start shooting up that ranking? Or do you think this is just something that the Blazers system does, just does not produce assists um yes and um (laughs) no because the the reason i say that and the only reason i knew that and i jumped on that when when you said that is because i've been kind of uh obsessively checking for the last couple of seasons because i've had this thought that more assists doesn't necessarily mean a better team 
and ah, it's okay. kind of all over the board when you look at it. I mean, and it also means that, you know, some of the teams that have the like the most assists and the most ball movements aren't necessarily the teams that are winning and then the vice versa vice versa is is also true. So, I've been checking not just assist numbers, but passes. And I found that with the Blazers over the last month anyway, the sweet spot was kind of like around, you know, 22 or so assists with like 200 and, you know, 40 to 250 passes was kind of the sweet spot where they ended up with the wins. Um, Because sometimes, you know, they would get a lot of, like they had like, I think, this is off the top of my head, but they had a lot of assists against... um, uh, Milwaukee, but obviously they weren't able to win that one, but obviously it was also a better team. But anyway, what I've mm. observed eye test wise is a lot more um, where I would expect a guy to take a shot and he finds a guy who's even more open. And so that's what I am enjoying. And with Rodney Hood shooting so well, you know, maybe we don't necessarily need him to take 15 shots we just need him to hit like he's been hitting all along and right maybe he's fine with that role he doesn't need 15 looks he needs eight or nine good looks and and it is working for him so far this last game this whole uh this whole last week of basketball we've seen pretty balanced production from the starting lineup but this last game we had dame put in 28 cg put in 20 mellow 23 and hood 19 so Hassan was down there with only eight points. Uh, you know, we'll get to him in a second. He obviously had a horrible game if he didn't put up points, right? But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, Hood is getting pretty good, solid uh, production there. 19 points on 7 to 12 uh, field goals against Chicago this Friday. Uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe it's not broken. If it's not broken, don't fix it. And I like what you're pointing out. Some detailed analysis there is uh, as far as passes versus assists. That's very interesting, finding that sweet spot. Um, I guess my one thing would be, I don't know if I would necessarily say the the higher number of assists correlate with the wins, like you pointed out, but I think it's almost more about higher assists mean easier buckets. And with players like Dame, where one of the other questions that we could get to uh, would be how much we need to be relying on Dame right now versus how much do, should we be trying to get him some rest, get him some games where he can take it a little easier so he can not wear down over the season and still be here for us in the playoffs. I think part of that could be... Um, alleviated i guess by getting those assist numbers up but hey the other side of that like you said if you're getting good shots if you have mellow dropping 23 hood dropping 19 cg dropping 20 if you have four starters putting in 20 ish a night i feel pretty good about that assist numbers aside yeah and i think this is a a really good example of kind of the i test is eye test versus analytics conversation because you know like you were you know you kind of joked at the beginning like if you don't score a lot of points you didn't have a good game and we all know that you were talking about <laughs> Hassan Whiteside having 10 blocks um, 10 blocks yeah so so uh when you look at assists you know you want to see assists because that means that people are finishing but you also have to take into consideration all the other things about what style the team uh plays. And so I think it I think this is an interesting case of the analytics not necessarily um showing if something is right or wrong, but the analytics are telling the story about what kind of a game the Blazers play. 
I like it. No, that's 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 perfect. Yeah, it's not just about the simple uh, stat production. It's about the story told, and it's about the context of, of mm-hmm. what those numbers uh, were produced in. So let's talk about some context, actually. Let's talk about Whiteside. His uh, woeful line of only eight points, 15 rebounds, and one assist in 29 minutes uh, on Friday. But uh, you, you scroll a little further into that, and he had one steal, uh, four of 11 shooting, zero of three from the free throw line. But... Uh, this was his his trash can revenge game, going off for ten blocks. The the uh, Blazers franchise record. All Whiteside has had, a, I think, a twelve block game before, twelve or thirteen or something like this, and he's had ten blocks a couple times in the past. But this is the most we've ever seen from a Blazer. Uh, that alone making a, it a historical night for uh, yeah. His I'm I'm calling this the trash can revenge game. Would you go with any of the title? <laughs> that works. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone that's not uh, keeping up on the social media, uh, Whiteside had an interview with Brooke where he was talking about, or I don't even know if it was in the interview, but they showed uh, some Instagram clip, I think, where someone in uh, Whiteside's neighborhood apparently took his trash cans, his trash can and recycling bin that were out on the curb, took the bins, left the trash, uh, and he's out there. That's just so <laughs> it, weird. Like, why yeah, would somebody really do weird. that? Like, why would you reach into someone's trash can and, like, pull out their trash? That's, yeah. I mean, that's, I like, mean, weird. I mean, it, it's it's possible. Let's say it is totally possible that there's some sort of garbage truck malfunction. Like, you know, as it's lifting the bin up, it dumped the stuff at the wrong point or whatever. But, yeah, you know, you got to be honest, too, with how much hate that we've seen from Whiteside uh, or on from, from Portland fans towards Whiteside and Mellow. I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't rule it out to say that this could be some disgruntled fans coming along through the neighborhood and, and doing some old school, you know, neighborhood vandalism. Hey, at least they didn't like knock down his mailbox with a baseball bat, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't go like old uh, 90s movie. Only. Yeah, I guess but, it uh, could have gone a lot worse. <laughs> but uh, Whiteside kind of talked about this stuff too. Uh, and let's just jump straight in with that awesome segue. How do you like that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as Whiteside and the, uh, the hate from fans, he had a... I think more of a sit down with Quick, an interview with Quick talking about clearing up the reputation that he has. And he knows that he kind of has this uh, reputation as being a disgruntled player or someone who kind of a, is a malcontent, I think is the word that Quick used in his article on The Athletic. Go and check him out. Shout out to Quick. Uh, but Whiteside was calling this season uh, the clear the confusion. Or uh, he was like the theme, I think, is what he was assigning, was clear the confusion about his rep. I think this could be something, Tara, that... We're, what we're seeing from Whiteside, especially as he's getting more comfortable, we're seeing a little bit more, like I was saying earlier, about the pick-and-roll action. I think he's looking a little more efficient next to Dame and his uh, his co-stars out there. I, I think he is maybe aware of what's being said about him, aware of a lot of kind of the the trash talk, the hate, and the heat. Uh, and, you know, it's not too late. It's not too late that uh, we could see this turn around, and by the end of the season, Blazer fans will be back to saying, oh, my God, can we hold on to Whiteside? Can we keep him next to Nurk somehow? Uh, like, what do you think? Am I... Am I uh, too far ahead on the optimism train on that one or are you with me that would be the perfect full circle blazer fan experience right <laughs> for us to be all excited and then go oh no and then be like what could we do to re-sign him you know that's just, that's just the roller coaster that you agree to jump on when you become a blazer fan you know everything we're always like everything's super high or everything's super low that's just how we are uh, look we've, we've seen it already anyway. this year with mellow <laughs> we, we saw it with mellow this year we've seen it with nurk in the past i feel like we've seen it with mo harkless before yeah. where we were really high on him they're really low and i mean again let's talk about chief you know i think plenty of fans have been hot or cold all the time on chief there was not a lot of uh lukewarm mid-range as far as fan feelings towards him uh but yeah i i think i think with white side uh well I, I should be asking you not telling you how i think let's let me ask you how you think tara or how do you feel um 
about Whiteside at this point? Do you do you think uh, a lot of the the fan hate is uh, uh, realized? Is it is it acceptable, or are we way off base on kind of the the hot and cold stuff, or? Uh, is he? Do you still see him as someone that is going to be just a short-term rental and get him out of here as soon as Nurk is healthy, or do you think this is something that, you know, in his contract year, would he be more likely to stay around through the end of the season just because we're gonna we want that that roster depth? I I really do want to know what you think because I'm really confused. <laughs> and one of the things that I was we were talking about on the women's hoops and talks uh, episode recently was what we were thankful for. And one thing that I talked about is I was thankful for uh, my own personal journey of acceptance of Yusuf Nurkic as a trailblazer because it uh, taught me patience. Um, yes, I, was, I heard this. I was good. not one of the people who was initially on board, even though the you know we had Nurk fever and that was exciting and he was clearly making a huge difference right when he first came to the team. After that, took him a while to kind of warm up, find his place. There were times when, you know, he was pulled off because he wasn't doing things the way Stotts wanted him to. So all of that uh, led me to realize that, you know, you have to be patient. Like, just like any of the rest of us human beings, you know, basketball players don't go out and have the same day every day. We all have good days. We all have bad days. We all have days where we're trying to put it all together. And, you know, that's kind of where I am with Whiteside because he came in and he had a couple of just fantastic games to get started. I called him like a battleship out there because he just reminded me of just this <laughs> nice. huge, gigantic ship that you just couldn't move because he'd put his arms out and people would just have to go clear. I have my arms out right now while I'm talking <laughs> <laughs> because people would have to run all the way around him to be able to, you know, try to get anywhere. They couldn't go straight through him. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. And then we got to a point where like he wouldn't put his arms up and people were just like running around, uh, running around circles around him. And I was like, what, what is this? <laughs> who, who do we have? And, Again, you know, it requires patience on our part. Like, we can't expect everyone to instantly... I, I don't think that we should expect everyone to instantly get everything as soon as they get here, especially with everybody else trying to find their way. Um, so that having been said, I have definitely seen moments where I've really uh, loved the promise of what Whiteside brings. And then I've had moments where I'm like, oh, my God, you have how, like 30 pounds on scowl. But like, you know, he's <laughs> the only person who can set a screen right now. Um, yes. Oh so my like there's been moments of both and like you were you to bring it back to where you started with uh the pick and roll i do think i see him starting to get used to how damien likes the pick and roll and i think that was like mm -hmm. kind of one of the things they talked about in that article was that he has to learn how the people that he's playing with now like to do things because he was used to playing with how other people do things so right. I think it's entirely reasonable to suggest that he is going to find a groove that will help this team. And, um, you know, what happens at the trade den deadline, I don't know. Um, so I'm just going to keep um, exercising patience and liking it when I do see him do things like grab rebounds with two hands. Or, like, another thing right. that he was doing right at the beginning is he was – not only getting a block, but also corralling the ball at the same time. Yes. That was super cool. And that kind of disappeared, I think, for a little while. But 
in those 10 uh, blocks that he had, he definitely had a couple where he not only blocked it, but he also got the ball right back. And if he can keep on doing that, I think he's a guy who's just super spirited, um, really wants to be liked. And so kind of just goes out there and tries to do everything. And then, you know, has a, I mean, this is me just projecting, Um, but you know, then maybe has a hard time when he realizes that he's not able to do it right off the bat. And maybe that's hard for him. No, I, I, you know, it's what you're describing. It almost, it, it's, it sounds like a perfectionist to me. You know, someone that they want to go out there and be good at what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, if it's not something that comes supernaturally, it might be something that kind of turns them off as far as the motor. And this has been what has been discussed a lot so far this season is what we can count on as far as Whiteside and his motor. Uh, yeah, I, I think you hit on on the head there, though. I think a lot of a lot of the issue has been the system he's been used to before compared to the system he's in now. Uh, and Quick pointed out in that article as well that Whiteside is just now really returning from injury. Mm-hmm. And, it, of course, right as he's back to being healthy, it is coinciding with a healthy lineup around him. And suddenly we're seeing these last three games, 13 points, 12 rebounds, 2 blocks at Chicago, 21 points, 16 rebounds at OKC, and then the 8, 15 rebounds and 10 blocks that he had on Friday. Uh, I don't. I, I just. I think it's too early to for fans to write him off or to count him out and to be ready to, to ship him out at the deadline. This is obviously all aside from we don't really know when Nurk is going to be ready either. Just because he is ready and maybe healthy in February, March doesn't mean that he is postseason ready. You know, that he's going to be like up to speed and ready to go and knows all the plays any better than Whiteside would at that point. Right. And so I, uh, you and I are both uh, pretty positive and upbeat about this, but I do feel like one of us needs to bring up the fact of who our competition Uh-oh. was this past week. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, you know, between playing Chicago twice and Oklahoma City once, these are teams who, uh, you know, are not great teams. And yeah. I will take the three wins. I will take them every day and twice on Sunday. Um, and this is not to say anything, you know, to, uh, this is not to put down those wins, but what I want to do is point out how bad it would have been if they had lost these games. <laughs> yeah. If any of, if this week had not gone three, no, that would have been a bit of a letdown for sure. And, and I hear you on the schedule. This was certainly an easy, uh, an easy start after we've had a fairly tough schedule. Absolutely. What I would counter with. What I would counter with is that the other teams around the league where people are talking about the Lakers on this giant win streak and they're at the top of the West and Boston is just looking so good over in the East, they have had some of the easiest schedules so far uh, as far as those last couple games. I think I saw something with the Lakers of the eight-game win streak or nine-game win streak they were on, seven of those teams were under 500 and the only one over was the Timberwolves. So it's not like they were facing world beaters on their on their run either. Right. No, I, uh, I don't disagree with that at all. I The Blazers have had an extraordinarily difficult schedule. Like, like not just in yeah. terms of you know a number of games, but also the travel that they've had to do, and just having it be like weird in general, and <laughs> just like any kind of weird anomaly for the system. Like the Blazers got it this month, <laughs> right. um, so okay, all that. Let's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Was it? Oh no, but I was gonna say like, but I mean, just watching Chicago and Oklahoma City were like. These are not great teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'll I'll take it. I'll take a little bit of a breather as the as the roster gets right. You know, let's just say exactly. this is our. It was really our, good our, for every for a number of reasons that they won those games. The, this was our our midseason preseason game as they get ready for December when basketball really starts or something like that. Okay, uh, I want to talk about Mello, but before we do, I just want to get in some thoughts here from one of our listeners, Jeremy Barrett. 
at Barrett Jeremy had some interesting back and forth thoughts on white sides. So see if you can help me decipher this, Tara. Um, so let's see. I don't really know which of these came in first. So I'm just going to go with what I think makes sense. Jer Jeremy Barrett says, I know this wouldn't happen, but if Hood would come off the bench and somehow Mello stayed next year, we could have Dame, CJ, Mello, Collins, and Nurk starting five. That would be fun to watch. Next year, is Whiteside coming back, and would he be willing to come off the bench? Okay, so blow right by the Nurk and Mello part for a second. Let's go. Do you see any chance that Whiteside is back as a Blazer next season? You know, that is not what I'm thinking that is most likely yeah. to happen. I could be wrong. I'm wrong all of the time. Um, yeah, it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible, but it's not likely either. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what, uh, if any, long-term plans the Blazers have for Scal. Plus, there's also Collins, and if they really want to give those guys a chance to play, um, I don't see them going with Whiteside, but like I said, I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can hope for every player that comes to Portland to turn into Rodney Hood where he wants to come back in a cheap contract. Whiteside is in a contract year, so yes, it's possible that he could get totally hypnotized by Portland and love it up here so much and realize the contract situation that the team is in and just say, you know what, give me the veteran minimum and I'm here. But that's probably not going to happen. Uh, if he did, he would have to come off the bench. If he, if he was able to make that deal, uh, then he'd, he'd be a bench big, and it would be in probably the best bench center in the league, which would be incredible. Okay, so next part of Jeremy's question, then we'll move on here. Uh, I got... Uh, next year, would you let... Sorry, excuse me. Next year, would you let Whiteside go to another team and roll with Skull to back up Nurk? Okay, so he's almost like canceling out his last part of the question to say, would we let Whiteside go to another team and roll with Skull to be Nurk's backup? Skull brings the energy. He can shoot from outside and also score in the post. He blocks shots and can rebound. So would you save the money and let Whiteside go to get someone else? I'd say that's probably more likely. Would you agree? Yes. I don't know if we need to take another uh, interlude or if you know off the top of your head, but what is Scal's contract situation for this year? So Scal's contract status. This year he is uh, getting paid $2.3 million, and he... Next year, the qualifying offer will be 3.5, it looks like about. So we have a... Oh, and then he's un, uh, he's a restricted free agent in 20... Oh, 2020. So after this season, Scott will be a restricted free agent, and uh, we can get him for a qualifying offer of 3.5 next year. So it's not a huge contract. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, but but he could potentially uh, leave. He's where yes. he's where Jake was last year, right? Okay. Yes, he's restricted. So we, we would have to... We can tend him an offer in the offseason... Uh, but then somebody else come at you. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, well, so the the reason I was asking all of that is, um, and I may be uh, answering this with scowl-covered glasses, because I absolutely <laughs> love scowl. Um, I think he's the new Swiss Army knife for the team. You know how we used yeah. to say that Aminu was like that? I think uh, scowl is so versatile and has just, um, even in just the 20 games that they've played, you know, has shown improvement that, um, you know, I would love to continue to have him on and his ability to back up Nurkic or back up Collins or, right. you know, I don't know where, where Collins is going to end up. I just think having him around would be uh, would be fantastic. And he's shown, like I said, even in this 
pretty small uh, sample size that he's been able to improve by having enough minutes to play. I just, I love what he's able to do. Like uh, every game I see something new from him. Like I didn't know he could do that. You know, he's, yeah. he's been trying out the bounce passes through traffic, which were like one of my favorite things yeah, that Nurkic right? used to do. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're giving Scal some of Nurkic's plays. Not that I think <laughs> that Scal is Nurkic at this point, but my point is they can have him do a little bit of everything. They can say, we're going to run this for you. Or if this situation comes up, you can do this or this. And he just seems like a guy who, uh, like I said, has the versatility of a Swiss Army knife. You need a saw? Great. Yeah. You need scissors? Great. You need a long knife? You need a short knife? Whatever. You, got tw- you need tweezers? I got those too. And none of them are great individually, but they're what you need at the time. Right. It fills the gap. It gets the job done. I'm with you 100% on this too. Scal is actually, uh, shout out to the Trailcasters Fantasy League real quick. Uh, when we were drafting, I don't know if I've, if, if you've heard the news, Tara, but your uh, co-host Danny, a friend of the show, Danny is in our league, our 20-team Fantasy League going on right now. Nice. Uh, it's, I've never played in a 20-team league before. It is absolutely absurd as far as the depth of what is left on the roster <laughs> yeah. and on the waiver wire. Um, but uh, the one blazer that I was able to get a hold of as we we're doing the draft, because everyone was getting picked off like right before I could grab him, uh, was Scal. Right on. And at the time, I'm like, oh, man, like at the start of, at the, start of the season, I'm like, oh, he's probably barely going to see minutes. I might have to like move him around on the waiver wire. That would suck if I don't have any blazers. But now I can't even let him go. He's playing so well. I'm like, yeah, that's a win. Just keep him all season. Just keep it rolling with him. Uh, That's he, awesome. and exactly like you said, he's been the Swiss Army knife. He is a guy where his game is very different from Nurk. He has a really soft touch, probably one of the best touches that we've seen from a big man in a long time. It's kind of become one of those uh, talking points in recent games. Uh, is just how soft his his arc is. It's a real high arcing jumper, uh, but he can get in there. And he can play in the post. He's got a lot of verticality. I feel like for a player like him and kind of his his game and his athletic ability playing next to Whiteside or behind Whiteside is probably going to be really helpful this season. Uh, I feel like he's someone, Whiteside is someone that Scal could learn a lot from. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on it and I would have no problem with Scal being the backup next year. So thank you for that. Uh, Jeremy Barrett, appreciate you writing in on that one. We've got some more listener questions that we will get to later, but now let's jump over to talking about Mello. I think we focused enough on, on one dude is getting all the hate. Uh, and Mello, you know, I, I feel like he was getting hate for a little while, maybe just more of the idea when he came to Portland and, like, do we need this guy? Uh, like I mentioned earlier, you have talked about, is he eating into minutes for Hood? I think he's eating into minutes for Nasir Little and, you know, other uh, young guys that we need to see more from this year. But you can't really argue with what he's doing right now either. He is He's looking real solid as far as a, a cheap investment for the Blazers to kind of fill the gap. And last episode, Tara... Ty and I, we're working on a mellow meter. Uh, we put out a poll to listeners last week about uh, a scale being like Olympic mellow, the, the does it all version, hoodie mellow, the like shoots and scores, like gets buckets. And then below that, you've got Houston mellow and OKC mellow being kind of those varying degrees of like short term, but burns out and falls off. You get where we're going uh-huh. with this. Uh, which, mellow, uh, which, which mellow do you think that we got this season? How are you feeling about it so far? So on the mellow meter, uh, on the mellow meter, <laughs> I I'm afraid this is going to come out sounding wrong. But so let me explain it. Um, I would okay. call him like sort of junior Olympic mellow meter. Oh, um, OK, <laughs> because w- what you said was, you know, Olympic mellow who's doing everything. And I don't think that he, by any means, is doing everything in terms of box score and, you know, his uh, 
you know, he's not like obviously at the top of his game. He is, you know, uh, he's not, you know, LeBron James has like ruined everybody's expectations of what a 35 year old can do. Like that's not <laughs> supposed to be what, what people can do. Um, and you know, more power to him. Uh, so with father time, uh, and being out for a year, I don't, want to uh people to think that i'm saying like Melo can do everything he's incredible um but he brings some of these things that nobody else can bring and i wasn't expecting to see a when he goes to other cities other cities love him like right. they have fans in the audience cheering for a mellow that doesn't happen with Portland typically you know there's always Dame fans <laughs> which is cool and like Dame will always be like my favorite and you know he will always have people who are his fans but it's a different kind of like feeling when you hear another arena chanting a player's name I mean that's gotta give people energy so that is that's that's one thing that Melo is bringing another thing is that it clear that the players love having him on the team. I mean, we've right, seen Dame right. jumping up on down on the sidelines. We've heard from the locker room how much everybody likes him and respects him. We've seen him interacting with the players. So he's brought something to the team that seems to have sort of revitalized them. And I would say that they they have never at all this season thought that they were out. But it must have been hard and kind of a slog when you've lost four in a row and you're on the road and like there's no end in sight of you know this this tough schedule so i think that he's brought a little bit of something in that respect to the players on the blazers and then like having him in moda like i haven't been in moda with him there yet i can't wait to go next week and see what that's like um but he's electrified the fans in a different way when people were starting to you know say you know, moving for Mello just is just total desperation or people, other people have been complaining about Stotts because, you know, he can't figure out how to make the lineup work. Well, for goodness sakes, how did they think, how would they, how would they do better? Right. So all of these little storylines have kind of fallen aside as we have just made room for Mello. So I call him junior Olympic Mello, not because he's necessarily doing all of the things in the box score, which by the way, is he's doing a lot more than I thought he would, but because he's doing a lot of things on a lot of different levels that seem to have energized the Blazers, which is kind of like what he did on that Olympic team. He energized them when they needed it. I like it. I like it. So it's it's almost like Olympic Mellow Light, maybe, or something like that. Or I, I like the Junior Olympic Mellow, though. I feel like I want to go with that, especially with uh, with with Dame's connection to uh, uh, some of the work that he does with... Um, Oh, that's not Junior Olympics. That's uh, Special Olympics. Yeah. Special Olympics. But, but Junior uh, Olympics, man, those <laughs> players are, they're for real. They're legit. They just happen oh, yeah. to be younger than the players that yeah. we watch in the in the Major Olympics. So, like, yeah, I don't mean to, like, put him down. I don't mean for it to be disparaging. It's just, like, I think light is probably, like how you said, that might be a better, I don't know. There's not a perfect way to say it, but it's a type of Olympic mellow uh, that isn't necessarily predicated on his athleticism anymore. Uh, that's, you know, his well, basketball skills are part of it, but they're not all of it. Right. And what you were saying about the Junior Olympic side, kind of the, the youth influence, I guess, the fact that he is showing this to these young guys. And yeah, like what we saw from Dame, I think it was the point where Melo hit uh, a shot to put him in the record books. I can't remember exactly what it was mm-hmm. off the top of Became my head. Became the 18th was, leading scorer, I yes. think. Yes. 
Yes, thank you. And when he hits that shot, Dame on the sidelines tapping his head with the three, jumping up and down and yelling. He looked like fanboy Dame like I have never seen before. Uh-huh. I've never seen him cheer like that on the side, man. It was awesome. It's very cool to see uh, how excited he gets for it. And I think there was an interview piece at one point, too, with Nasir Little talking about uh, how crazy it is to be on the same team or to see Melo in the same locker room. And yeah, man, that's that's got to mean something for these guys. And if if that's all he brings, then great. But as we're seeing, he's doing a lot more than that uh, out on the floor as well. So yeah, his his role with the team itself. Are you happy with him as the starter? We kind of mentioned earlier the idea of uh, taking away Hoodie's shots or taking away Nas's uh, growth potential, I guess. And maybe Hoodie doesn't need the shots. Uh, but it just it confused me the idea that Melo was coming in here as a starter, I guess, and maybe part of this is the the constant changing expectations we have for the team as far as is this season just about youth development or is this a season where we're still trying to push for a good playoff position? Uh, so I, I mean, I guess we can kind of tra- start to tra- transition here from just making this about Melo's expectations. But how are you feeling on the team at this point? Where are you standing now that we are? eight and 12 and starting to see some glimmer of, of good production here. Is this a season that is still salvageable as far as the postseason and something that we should be a, a goal that should be, that we should be targeting? Or is this more of a season at this point to focus on Anthony Simons, to focus on Scalabissier and Nasir Little and, uh, and maybe what this roster can be going forward? Yeah, I think you, you know, you brought it up earlier where we just need to look at these things in context. And the thing that I keep, forgetting every time the Blazers do something cool, like win three games in a row, um, is I forget that on the night that Yusuf Nurkic went down, a terrible, Mm -hmm. terrible night, I thought that was it for the Blazers. I was like, that's it for this season. That's it for next season. And we'll regroup in 2021, whatever. I was like, okay, that's, (laughs) you know, that's it. They're done. They're not going to be able to keep it up without him. And then, of course, like they always do, because this is what the Blazers do, they outperformed expectations and they went on a deep run in in the playoffs and good for them. That's amazing. (laughs) And so when the season started, it was like I had forgotten that whole thing about Yusuf Nurkic being down and like, you know, a major component of their team not being available for probably most of the year. So, um, you know, I got caught up in that and I was like, um, well, okay, you know, maybe they can make it work with these guys. And then things weren't working. And then, so I was like, well, the youth movement is really fun. (laughs) It's, it's, (laughs) it's fun watching these guys play. And, you know, so I'm just a fan. Like my livelihood doesn't depend on making the right choices and signing the right person and making the right decision about whether or not they should win or whether or not they should lose. Um, as a fan, I, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing right now. It's been an interesting season. Even when they were losing, we got to uh, watch, you know, young players that we never would have, like we would never would have seen Naz Little. You've talked about it before. Right. You know, like, you know, that's not the Stotts timeline. The Stotts timeline right. is that, well, maybe we'll see him at garbage time and then we'll see him a little bit in year two. And then year three is when he'll get a chance to really show what he's got. And that has all sort of been thrown out the window so with Carmelo Anthony and the question about whether or not he should start I think it makes sense for him to start because I think he's the best available at the four right now Um, that doesn't mean that Naz Little can't continue to play and we've continued to see him get in not as much as he was before but you know I think 
you know, this year is going to probably be about the balance of um, getting wins and also giving these guys a, a chance to uh, develop a little bit faster than maybe we intended. I mean, you're just never going to have a team with Damian Lord that doesn't think that they can win every single game. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's just, a great that's point. just how it is. You know, he, he believes it and he gets all the rest of us believing it right along with right along with him. Um, but as far as, yeah, it's like, as far as Melo starting, I am fine with it. I do like seeing that, uh, those young guys are getting more minutes than they normally would get, but I don't feel like they necessarily need to start in order for them to do well. Yeah, no. And just like, uh, hood doesn't necessarily need all the shots. They're making a system work around him. And like we said, I, I think a lot of the players are benefiting just from seeing him work in the system as well. So if this is something that pays off down the road, maybe this is what could be the difference maker for Nas not only looking good now in November and December, but looking like a solid player for the team in his first year when it comes to March and playoff basketball. Uh, when you, I have a question no for you. When you, oh yeah, when you watch Mello, like, what do you see? What do I see? Yeah. Like, just like, what is that... Like when you first watched him in a blazer uniform, like what were your thoughts? What did you feel? What did you see? You know that that's that's actually a great question, a great point because uh, Mello, a lot like Cantor last year, both Mello and Cantor, when before they were Blazers, I was not a big fan of their game, of their reputation, of their personality that kind of uh, preceded them on the floor, and even Hassan Whiteside to an extent, although I never really bought into that one quite as much. But Mello. He, in my mind, has been a villain that you didn't want on teams uh, in a lot of places. And, you know, the the last year when when Brandon and I were talking about this on Trailcasters because Olshay was looking at Melo even then, we joked around about it, but I don't know. I never really thought I... I never really convinced myself that it was going to be a good idea. And so even when he came in this year, I think this is where kind of the starting, uh, the starting position thing kind of comes from in my mind is that... When he first joined the team, I didn't think that this should be about Melo, and I didn't think that it meant that it was going to be uh, a positive season as far as looking towards the playoffs. It was going to be more of a season where we're looking towards next season. But man, after seeing him on the floor, after seeing what he can do from the uh, not the small forward position, but the power forward position, uh, you know, uh, sure, he's he's missing some dunks because he's going in there. He has the energy to go in there for dunks at 35. He's also hitting what well, he hit his first... Uh, his first three that he took for us was all net. And it was a good-looking shot. Uh, I'm kind of rambling on here, obviously. But, yeah, I, I think as far as the eye test with Mello, what it really came down to is I was super negative about him coming to Portland. But now that I've been watching him play, it's kind of what we needed at the four. It's what we need. Right. You know, so two, two seasons ago, the summer of 2018 was kind of the last time that CJ and Dame made a big push, you know, did the Instagram campaign to try and get Mello to Portland. Right. And I was curious because I did, I just didn't know enough about him. And so for one episode of the women's hoops and talks ep um, podcast, I went and I talked to women who were fans of each of the different fan bases where I remember this. Been. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, I talked to, to a woman who has been a Denver fan forever. And she talked about what it meant to Denver when they drafted him and all his years there. And then he went to the Knicks and I talked to a woman who'd been, you know, as a long suffering fan of the Knicks and she <laughs> talked about him. And then I talked to somebody from OKC and also even somebody from um, Houston, because that's where he was headed. And, nobody had anything bad to say about him. Like all mm. of these fans 
like from fan, from from places where we all from the outside thought that he had you know burned the ground behind him. Right. None of these fans had bad things to say about him. So when he came to Portland and that all that you know, start uh, talk started up, I was like, I don't know if that's what we're gonna see. I don't know how much of what happened to Mello is just like some narrative got picked up and it just ran and he was left behind or if he was really like that. Now, granted, he hasn't been with the team for a long time, but based just on those conversations I had with fans from other fan bases, I'm willing to say that the Mellow experiment is going to work. Yeah, it seems pretty positive so far. And honestly, I, I do remember that episode that you guys had going around uh, the other fan bases that Mellow has played for. And that was, that was kind of, Again, I had been so negative on even just the idea of him coming here, and I remember listening to that and be like, you know what? This there's some possibility here. Maybe this could work out. Uh, all right, here I got another listener question from Lom and Wyatt Slurp. Uh, do you guys think Carmelo will want to stay a Blazer? My thinking is that he knows they gave him a chance, and once our guys are healthy, we're a winning team. My only concern is when Zach is healthy, he won't want to come off the bench. Uh, okay, so interesting thought. I think he's obviously referring to next season. Like, do we see Carmelo as wanting to stick around? Uh, play another season as a Blazer, and would he be willing to do that behind Zach if Zach is healthy and needs, the, needs to be that starting power forward? That's that's a little complicated. What do you think, Tara? Where do you fall on that? Well, I don't know him well enough to know what he'd want to do, and it feels like if things go well, you know, he could have an opportunity. And actually, uh, my former co-host Kendall was back on the podcast last week, and she right? shout out, yeah, hey! Kendall. Uh, pointed out that uh, with all of the other teams in the league with the Clippers established, with the Lakers established, with all these other teams established with their two stars you know, Melo may decide that Portland is his best shot at getting a title uh, next year when Nurkic comes back and Collins comes back, he may think, you know what I've I've adjusted here, things are going well, this might be, mm. this might be my best chance, or he just may be somebody whose interests are different and really, really, truly wants to be in a big city like, you know, Miami or, you know, somebody, on, you know, one of the big flashier franchises. I have no idea, but I thought it was an interesting point that she made that I hadn't thought about before. Yeah, no, that's that's a legit point. And, you know, I think there's a lot of variables as far as Mello, because, again, my impression on his personality, I think I have to admit at this point that he has grown and changed as a person from who he was or at least who he who I thought he was uh, back in his earlier career. But yeah, at this point, it's totally possible. Maybe, he, like you said, on one hand, he could want uh, a big city life. On the other hand, he could really have Portland grow on him. Uh, kind of like what Lom and Wild Slurp was saying, he knows that Portland gave him a chance, and once our guys are healthy, it's a winning team. Like you said too, Tara, if he sees this roster really come together this season and think, wow, next year with Nurk and Zach Collins healthy, what could this roster do? Maybe he does want to chase the ring, and maybe he sees this as a good spot to do it where he can fit in. That's a great point that I hadn't thought of at all, and I am so on that train. I'm so <laughs> buying into that. I'm so here for it. <laughs> All right, last listener uh, question here, and then I will. I just have a few more things before I let you go. Thank you so much for your time, Tara. Um, last well, last question in here was from 
do do do. There's look at this Nurk at apocalypse plock uh, at apocalypse plocks. Excuse me. Less of a question, but he just says, "I have to admit, I was skeptical skeptical about Mellow, but now I am Mellow." <laughs> so there you go. I think that pretty much sums up what we were saying about it too. It, it definitely has turned us around a bit. Mm-hmm. All right, it's so it's fun. If nothing else, it's fun, and things yeah. things were getting to a place where they weren't very fun and this just interjects a little bit of life this is a game man you Mm -hmm. gotta keep it fun it's gotta be fun all right so uh again tara thank you so much for your time this is uh, this is fun i'm so excited to be here (laughs) it's fun it's about having fun all right so uh final bits before i let you go uh ty normally we would be going to win loss or tie here more of our our betting and sports sports betting gambling oriented segment uh and the two bits that we were really kind of uh working off one is, uh, uh, he has some which is more likely questions, and then the other is some betting lines for the game. So we'll get to the betting lines in a second. Okay. My first question, Tara, just like the mellow meter that we're working on for kind of getting our, our sliding scale of how we are rating things week to week, I need to come up, we need to come up with a name for this more likely segment. And I've been asking listeners, we've got uh, a few uh, maybe off-color <laughs> suggestions that we're probably not going to go with. Uh, but... Wait, you know what? Any, any, anything hot that you want to throw out there? Any good uh, more, either or or more likely kind of ideas as far as a, a name for the segment? You just let me know. Maybe it'll help actually if you hear the questions first so you know kind of what we're actually dealing with here. <laughs> <laughs> and if my phone would have, you know, eventually actually pull something up here. Slide. There we go. All right. So the first uh, either or or more likely from Ty. What's more likely? Damian Lillard starts in the All-Star game this year or... Anthony Simons plays in the Rising Stars game. Um. Oh, that's good. Because we know Dame will make All Star team. Like that's pretty yes. much a lock. But yes. so will he start? If he starts, that means he has to be a top five vote getter from the fans. So that's a popularity contest. And but the the landscape has shifted in terms of the forwards who usually get in in front of him, or uh, sorry, the backcourt, the guards, the, the guards yeah. that usually get him in front of him. Um, I would say that it's like the more likely scenario, which. Dan has just pounded in my head that the more likely scenario is the more likely scenario. That's why it's the more likely scenario. Is that Andy <laughs> and that Anthony will make it to the um so my head says Anthony and my heart says Dame. Okay, I like that answer. I can totally see that. Man, that is tough because I want I I'm trying to convince my head to say Dame starts as an all-star because like you pointed out with the changing uh backcourts in the West. Without a Steph Curry, without a Clay Thompson, can we say that Dame is one of the most five popular, or not even five? Uh, one of the, you'd have to be one of the top two mm-hmm. most popular guards in the West. I think it's possible because I mean you're gonna have Harden and Westbrook taken away from each other on Houston. They're not gonna right. have as many votes. Uh, that's totally possible that he starts. But then on the other hand, like you said, my head is definitely yelling out like, "Don't be stupid." Anthony Simons is gonna get enough credit this year. He's gonna be at All Star Weekend, and that would should probably mean the Rising Stars Challenge or whatever that the name for that segment. But you right? know what? I think we might be operating in a Portland bubble here with regards to Anthony Simons. Oh, you think we're giving a little, a little more credit than the you rest know, of the league? You know, I think that at the beginning of the season there was there was a lot of talk about Anthony Simons being ready, you know, really on the rise and um and I think that's true, but without looking at a list of uh for uh rookie or, you know, young guards in the West, 
I'm almost starting yeah. to think that maybe Damien making the starter, uh, because also Damien just has more visibility. Yeah, um, definitely. That it's possible that he may actually be the one to start. So uh, I pulled up Anthony's numbers real quick on basketball reference. What do you think off the top of your head? What, uh, what's his points, rebounds, assists average so far this season? Oh, golly. I don't know, like nine? How, how far off am I with nine points? That's, that's, not, that's not too far off on points. Um, and assists maybe like one and a half? Yep, yeah, you're pretty much there. And, and, and under, re- oh, go ahead. Rebounds maybe two? Yeah, you so 10.3 points, 1.4 assists, 1.8 rebounds. So you pretty much nailed, nailed all of that. Uh, and I guess what I'm getting at is 10 points, one and a half assists, two rebounds a game is not really numbers to give you a lot of uh, attention. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that, yeah. that is the problem. I'm thinking just, you know, our Portland bubble. We know. We know how special he is. <laughs> of course. We know. <laughs> I'm not sure all everybody right. else does. All right, Ty. Well, we uh, we unlocked that one. Oh, and it looks like Ty even said, I think Lillard starts is more likely. So he agrees. We're all on the same page. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it threw us for a loop for a second. The second uh, either or or which is more likely that we have here. And, you know, maybe we'll get a name so it's less jumbly to say that each time. Who I gets think fired? most likely is oh. very straightforward. And I'm always in favor of things being straightforward. Straight. You know, OK, that's a good point, too. Just just go with the. TC most like TCML or something. I know I got to find some funny gimmicky name or funny rhyming way. You know me. You know I got to do <laughs> something silly with it. All right. Uh, so the second one though, Ty sent us in. Who gets fired first if the Blazers don't make the playoffs? Not saying it's happening. Just makes a good question. He says. <laughs> so he's not saying it's gonna happen. He's not a doomsayer here. Uh, but Terry Stotts or Neil O'Shea, who gets fired first if the Blazers don't make the playoffs? Um. That's another good question. He comes up with, he's good at this. Did he come up with these or did you? <laughs> no, he came up with these. He wrote these both in since he wasn't going to be here. Those, those are good. Um, Terry Stotts or Neil Olshay. Well, I guess from, we have to look at it now from Jody Allen's point of view, and we don't know her at all, um, as opposed to Paul Allen's point of view. I don't know. Can I punt and ask what you think first? Yeah, no, you're totally good. Uh, I, I, you know, I love putting you on the spot, but there's no reason you can't pass and send it back that <laughs> way. Um, I think, uh, and you know, I'm even going to kind of look at what Ty said here for his perspective. He thinks Stotts is more on the hot seat. He thinks that Olshay is too loved by ownership. And I think kind of what you're getting out there with uh, Jody versus Paul, I feel like Paul Allen being the fan owner, being the guy who knew the team and had been around here so long and kind of maybe knew more of Stotts' role and, and relationship might be a little more hesitant to fire Stotts. But Jody, she might be a little bit more a little bit more of the straight business side as far as her, her perspective and her uh, understanding of the team relations. So if she sees... It, it, she might be a little more protective of Olshay, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And I think typically in the NBA, if you don't have a, a relationship with a team, if we were looking at other teams across the league, if a team is not doing well, I think the coach is a pretty typical scapegoat. Yeah, and I was kind of looking at it from the point of view of uh, who's going to be harder to replace. Oh, interesting. That's a good point. I think that kind of gives some give some uh, weight to Stotts a little bit. Like, he's yeah. hard to replace. Uh, agree? Right, because, like, what you were saying is, is it seems like it usually is the coach first. It's usually the coach that's most likely to be let go. Like, uh, you know, 
for whatever reason in the world, people in New York are questioning the coach as opposed to the rest of the. I mean, plenty of people are also great example. Plenty of people are also questioning the whole front office, but it's the coaches hot who they keep talking about being in the hot seat. So I think that's probably again the most likely scenario. But when you think about who would be hardest to replace and she's a new owner, she's, you know, still probably figuring out what it means to be on the board of governors. And I would think it might be a little harder to replace a general manager. Hmm. Oh, you think it'd be harder? Oh, I don't gosh. know. I mean, because it seems like there's tons of assistant coaches out there, and yeah. there's even coaches that don't have jobs or maybe transitioning from one place to another. There's. It just seems like just like volume-wise, the amount of people to uh, that you could look to to find a replacement for a coach is a greater number than the number mm. of people who could replace your general manager, just like purely numbers-wise. Interesting. So yeah, if, if she. Wow, interesting. And you know, even in that sense too, I almost feel like Olshay would just have a better chance to kind of prove himself or get in her ear, kind of be like, "Hey, you know, I did what I could," kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe that's oh. giving a little too much credit towards the office. It's a good point. Well, though. It's a good point. You know, yeah, just just because uh, as far as sharing the office environment versus Stas is with the team. Yeah, he doesn't not... have a chance to go in and make a case for himself every day. <laughs> mm, interesting. Oh, this is man, that, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> Look, hey, the real thing is neither of these are happening because Blazers are making the playoffs. This team is going to rock it all the way through. Uh, Mello is, is he's filled out this starting lineup uh and you know we've, we've seen him go three no across having this starting lineup together let's just say they go they rip off some awesome win streak in march we're going to be a middling fifth sixth seed this this question is not even going to come up but uh <laughs> but if it did that's a tough one that is a tough one okay uh keith i have good news for you you know how What's you that? were saying that you wanted to come up with like a clever uh, name for this oh, yeah? what, whole what is more likely thing so yeah. When you write down what is more likely anyway, that spells out Wilma. Wilma. Yeah. Okay. So this these this could be your Wilma questions. You know, I mean Yes, I like it. No, that totally works. 538 I love, I love can have the the Carmelo rankings and you <laughs> can have the Wilma rankings. I love it. That's perfect. No, so we will have yes, we'll have the We'll have our, they've got the Carmelo rankings and we'll have the Mellow meter and the Wilma scale or something. Or yeah, you just have to <laughs> add perfect. anyway okay. at the end of it for it to work. Oh, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can definitely add anyways. What's can... more likely anyway? <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, have you seen Katie Nolan's Thursday night show? She has one. Uh, oh, she's I haven't on TV watched the t- this show. I listen to her podcast all the time. Her, the pod is great. The show is called Always Late with Katie Nolan, mm-hmm. but she brought something from the pod. It's called But Why, Though? And so it's that whole segment where she kind of goes in the, at the end like, but why, though? Yeah. But why, though? And yeah, just it plays in well. Awesome. I, I like it. Okay, Wilma. We're going to work on Wilma. Okay. <laughs> Workshop. Final thing here. We're workshopping it. You know, Tara, I, I appreciate you coming on and workshopping all this with me, all these <laughs> thoughts that we have rambled through for an hour and change at this point. Gosh, thank you so much for staying. Uh, I'm surprised that you weren't like, oh, sorry, Skype's cutting out, and suddenly you're just gone. Oh, uh, you kidding. I'm having a great time. <laughs> all right, so last thing here, and then I will let you get on with your Sunday. Ty gave us some betting lines for the upcoming week of games. I know you're not necessarily the biggest on the on the sports betting stuff, but, you know, we will, we'll, we'll keep this simple. You we'll can keep walk it, uh, me through it. I can do that. Look, normally he's having to walk me through it as well. I enjoy the numbers. I enjoy the lines, but I'm certainly not uh, 
not making as many weekly bets as Ty. At this point, I think that he is a little... He said last week that he has faded off the Blazers. He was sick of betting on them with the losing streak. Mm. Uh, so maybe that's why he is missing from the show today and sent in these lines. And what do you know? Now we have wins to talk about. Yeah. That's just how it works, right? Uh, all right, so for next week, though, we have four games. We have the Clippers on Tuesday. And then... Uh, oh, that's at Clippers on Tuesday. And then Kings on Wednesday. And then uh, Lakers here in town on Friday. And... Thunder on Sunday, I think, mm-hmm. if I have those dates right. Yep. Okay. So the first line, the Clippers game in L.A., Ty thinks that it's going to open up as the Clippers. Clippers is four-and-a-half-point favorites if both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play, and he says if either of them sit, two-and-a-half. So first question, I guess, is do you think we see both Paul George and Kawhi on Tuesday? Do you happen to know if it if they are on a back-to-back I don't think they are. Okay. I feel like I looked at it earlier. Um, obviously, Kawhi sat out last time that we played, but they didn't have a healthy Paul George yet either. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to go with they're both going to play. Okay, so if they're both playing, we're saying Clippers are four and a half point favorites. So at this point, one bet would be if Clippers win by five or more, and the other side would be Clippers winning by four or less or Blazers winning. Which side do you feel more comfortable uh, with on Tuesday? Great. So Ty's letting us bet against the Blazers, so he doesn't have to. Is that what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Clippers are pretty darn good. And again, this is a my heart wants to obviously bet for the Blazers. But logically, with the way the Clippers have been playing and the way the Blazers have been playing, I would say it's going to it would be real hard to bet against the Clippers on this one. Ugh, I feel so yeah. dirty and awful saying that. How do people see, do as, this? Ugh. As the well, see, as the Blazer fan and as a sports gambler, the kind of line that we would want would be more like the Clippers being favored by like 10, right? Because yeah. then if the Clippers only win by 9, we can be like, oh, I'm taking the Blazer side and you still win the bet. Uh, but yeah, when the line is only 4.5, it sure does seem like that is pretty weighted towards the Clippers. Uh, or towards uh, Yeah, it's, it's hard to bet against the Clippers. Well, line. but you know, although the Blazers are a team, I believe, that traditionally plays to the most, usually plays to the caliber of their opponent. I mean, look at how they did against Milwaukee. That was a very close game. Um, So, I mean, I don't think it's within the realm of possibility that the Blazers could, uh, do you call it cover that or like uncover it or whatever? Cover the spread, (laughs) exactly. Um, (laughs) But uh, so, yeah, so I'm not saying that I think that it's like laughable that the Blazers, you know, could come close or anything. I just think if I had actual money that I needed to like try to bet in the most logical way, I would probably vote for the bet on the Clippers on this one. Yeah. Again, if if the line was further uh, away uh, from from zero, mm-hmm. I it'd be easier to bet on. But yeah, I think it, I, you know the other side again. The Blazers have had Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off, so three days off uh, before getting ready for this game. It is the first night of back to back, not the second. That's a tough one. You know what? I it's that would be a tough one to bet on. I agree with you as far as like if I had money, if if I'm not if I've got my mortgage to worry about, I am not gonna bet on that game. Let's just move on. <laughs> second night of the back to back is back home against the Kings. Ty says the Blazers will be three and a half point favorites here. Do you think Blazers win by four or more, or do you think it's going to be a close game? Or uh, you're, you're not yes. possibly going for the yeah. Game? No, the the Blazers win by four or more. Yeah, easy I'll line, easy line on that one. I'm taking that one. I mean, you know, you could say the second night of a back to back could be tough, but especially if it doesn't go well for us on the road in LA after having three uh, after having the two good home games up here with the starting lineup, 
if they have that one road loss down there, I feel like they're going to want to come back home and get right. And so against the Kings, it's a get right game. Mm-hmm. I'll take four points for the Blazers, no problem. Mm-hmm. So Friday, home game against the Lakers on Friday. Ty thinks the line has the Lakers as one point favorite. So he's got this as a real close Ooh. game falling in the Lakers' favor. That jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. This is one I would gamble on. I would take the Blazers yeah. on this one. Here we go. I mean, not like I would actually gamble on it. I'm like using that as a turn nope, of phrase. Nope. <laughs> you you said it. I've got the receipts. You said you would gamble on it. I heard it. Uh, but <laughs> but sure. Why not? Again, going to they usually play tough opponents very close. I mean, there's obviously exceptions to that, but they often play tough opponents very close. Sure, I'll take. I'll I'll, I'll get the Blazers on this one. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think when the line is that close. You know, we mentioned it earlier. The, the Lakers win streak, I think, is a little blown up and out of proportion against easy teams. Uh, the Blazers losing ways, I think, have been tough because it's been 13 of 18 on the road. Now we're going to have 10 of the next 14 at home. I'm feeling pretty good about a lot of the. Uh, how, I'm feeling pretty good about the Blazers turning things around. And at only one point favorite, I gotta, I gotta lean on the Blazers too. So we're taking that one. We got two of these games. We're gonna abstain from the game against the Clippers. We're gonna take the two games in the middle of the week for the Blazers. And then Sunday, next Sunday against the Thunder here in Portland. Ty says the Blazers are five point favorites next Sunday. What do you think about that one over the Thunder? I think I'm almost as sick of OKC as I was of Denver. Like we had, right? we had Denver like a million times at the beginning of the season. And now I feel like, OKC okay, won't go away. Uh, sure. I'll take the blazers on this one. Mostly yeah. just cause like, I just don't want to any, I don't want anything for that franchise whatsoever. I'm sure they're lovely people. <laughs> I'm sure they're wonderful and they're, uh, you know, kind and wonderful, uh, humans, but no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Now, look, uh, with uh, with how much grief the two franchises have had in the past after the playoffs last season, man, I feel like it's going to be one of those that I'm okay for a good while uh, just kind of waving goodbye to mm-hmm. OKC as they, as they exit the Rose Garden. Uh, and, yeah, after this last week, seeing how they played on uh, what day of the week was that? Was that Wednesday that we played them? I'm already lost. Yeah, yeah Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, that was Wednesday. Yeah, and it was the uh, 136 to 119 victory. So not even a close margin there. And that was just as this lineup is getting set. I think to say that next week when we have that much more time with these guys working together in the starting five, uh, I want to see his top 136. Let's go for a 140 win over OKC. So yeah, so five point spread. I'll take that. No problem. All right. So that's the lines we got for the week. Uh, like you mentioned, Tara, we are not sports gambling analysts or anything like this. Do not take our betting advice. And we are not certainly not placing our own mortgage or any significant amount on this game, you got to leave that to Ty. Uh, wait for when he comes back for that stuff. But thank you so much, Tara. Really appreciate you coming on, running through the whole show with me today. Uh, if listeners wanted to reach out to you on social media, what would be the best way to do so? Best way is through Twitter, at TCBBigs. That is where I am way too much of my free time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah listeners reach out to Tara there and listeners you can always reach out to us if you have any prop bets any any betting lines any uh, more like oh wait no what am I saying any Wilmas send us your Wilmas <laughs> <laughs> I love it alright uh, all of your questions please send them into Trailcasters thank you so much Tara we'll get you back on here soon thanks for having me Keith this was real fun awesome <laughs>
Welcome back to Trailcasters. Shout out real quick to our sponsors, Envy Adventures, and clearly speaking, Envy Adventures, envyadventures.com for all of your sightseeing needs around Portland. Go and check out the Gorge, uh, Mount Hood, the scenic views all over the Pacific Northwest, whether you're getting out to the ocean, to the dunes, everything in between. Corey and Envy Adventures have you covered. Go and check out envyadventures.com. They've got some great deals going on. Also, if you need any sort of help with the speech and hearing sciences, that would be Accent reduction, uh, voice fatigue, fatigue. Shout out to Brandon Goldner hey! uh, with the with the old uh, pronunciation jokes. Go and talk to Brennan Nuckton over at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. That is clearlyspeakingoregon.com. She's one of our old school listeners, and she's a professional licensed speech and hearing pathologist. She can help you with all of your voice and speaking needs. Shout out again to Tara for joining me today. I only have a little bit more before we get out of here. I will get to the weekly winner in just a second. But first, I want to highlight a little bit more about the Trailcasters Fantasy League. This wonderful, wonderful time that we are having over there. Uh, so far, we are in week six. My personal uh, season has not gone quite as I hoped so far. Looks like I am now, uh, after thinking I was finally above 500 last week, I am right back at it this week. I lost a close match to the Trail Blakers. Uh, not so close now, uh, but... It was, it was going pretty well for a while. I thought it might be 4-2, and two, but now I'm back to 3-3 three and three after the 1-4 and four Trailblakers uh, put me in my place. But I did notice as well when I was going through uh, perusing our scoreboard that of the 10 weekly matchups, six weeks in, uh, each week we've slowly been losing undefeated teams. Last week last week we went from 4-3. to three. We, had, uh, we still have Sheed Stargate Research, uh, Oak Grove OGs, and Mr. Rip City. I believe we're the three uh, undefeated teams left this week. And it looks like we're going to lose another one this week as Oak Grove OGs is about 30 points behind uh, Ryan Whitledge and Vancouver Taco Corp. Might be taking them down. So after six weeks, we only have two more. Likely that we will only have two more undefeated teams. So this is starting to even out. I'd say this is uh, probably seen fairly competitive. Let me see if I can look at some of the bottom of the standings here. We do have one team, unfortunately, that is uh, still winless. 0-5, and it looks like this week... Oh, well, so, so bad, Babbitt's Bad Habits from uh, Brandon Geiger. Shout out to him. He has been 0-5 through the first five weeks of the, of the season, but right now he's up against flopping hard in the paint, and he's he's uh, only three points behind. So let's see. It could be pulled out. He could get his first win of the season in the sixth week, and we have, what, 14 more weeks to go, so plenty of time to get everything corrected. Point being, for having a 20-team fantasy league, I feel pretty good about this, guys. I feel like we are pretty well balanced. I feel like we've got some competitive play going on. There's there's a lineup every now and then that is not being set perfectly. There's some guys that are being left on the bench. But I'd say for the most part, we, we get, we're we seeing some good participation. So props to all of you. And uh, also props to those of you uh, that have been using the message board. Shout out to shout out to CJ Smith, to Deloitte's, to Jeremy Barrett. All you guys using the message boards, getting some good questions in there. Feel free to use those boards to get questions here on the show, too. If you have anything that you want to ask on the show, this is a direct line to me and Ty using the Fantasy League there. So please feel free to uh, to make use of it. All right, let's get to our weekly card winner. As uh, Ty posted earlier in the week, he had a Panini Contenders Draft Picks card of Damian Lillard. Man, it's a special, cool-looking little thing there. Got some seat number, section 195, row 63, seat zero. Not exactly sure what that pertains to. We'll have to check in with time and exactly what the uh, meaning is behind what is on this Panini Contenders Draft Picks card. But we had three of you guys this week. Shout out to Jeremy Barrett for writing again, Lawman Wyatt Slurp, and... Uh, 
Look at this Nurk at Apocalypse Blocks. You guys are all in the running for the for this Damien Lillard card, so I'm going to random.org. One through three for the generator. And the winner this week is number two. That would be Lawman Wyatt Slurp at the underscore beardiest. Congratulations, sir. I believe you are our first uh repeat winner in the Trocasters Next Generation season here with the with Ty's TD Sports card and the hashtag card van and hashtag card garage now. You are the first one to uh, collect the, the the second prize. So uh, congratulations to Lom and Wyatt Slurp. We appreciate you guys writing in. And hey, just to be clear too, no need to stop writing in when you guys uh, win a card each week. We will put you right back in the running the next week. If you write in, then you are eligible. As for this week, that is it for us. That is all the trailcasters I've got for you. So please, listeners, remember, you can write us about anything at any time. We'll take all of your questions, your blazer questions, your thoughts, your prop bets, your uh, Wilmas. <laughs> Send us in all of those either-ors or most likely betting lines. However you want to phrase it, we'll get it on the show. And if we do get it on the show, you will be in the running for one of the cards from TD Sports Cards. You can find us at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook on Trailcasters. You can always find me at Rip City Keith and Ty at Ty Delbridge or at TD Sports Cards. You can find Tara at TCB Biggs. Always go and check out her content and follow her uh, podcast. Follow her on Blazers Edge and the Blazers Edge pod as well as the Blazers What pod. And please, shout out to Blazers What. Go and check out their event this Tuesday at McMinimins. Uh, go and look up details on Tara's page. I'm sure she can give you directions to which McMinimins it is, but it's a really good time. We'll be watching the game, the road game against the Clippers, uh, and hopefully uh, cheering on a good win with Tara and the Blazers What crew. You can also always send us those emails at trailcasters at gmail.com and wherever you find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere else you can find the pod, please give it those five stars. We are always looking for that to help spread the good word. And, you know, in that same sense, if you can tell any of your friends about the pod, spread any of that around, uh, all, all the love helps, man. It's all love. And we will be getting some stickers and other things out here to you guys to help with that soon enough. All of you card winners that have won already, we've got you uh, retroactively marked down to get some stickers on the way as well. So please help spread the Trailcaster's name. And speaking of names, the name of the artist bringing you these beautiful beats is Odar, and you can find his music at soundcloud.com slash odarbeats. Always support your local beat makers as well as our sponsors, Envy Adventures, and Clearly Speaking. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Ty, as always, even when he's not here. Thank you, Odar, for those fat beats, and thank you to those sponsors, Envy Adventures, and Clearly Speaking. And, of course, thank you to Tara Bowen Biggs, team mom of Blazers Edge, for joining me today. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters. Trailcasters.